All right, man, it's so exciting to be with you guys. And uh, it's an honor to be here again at Milestone Church. I just want to say as well uh, to the brand new campus right there in Haslett. So excited about Pastor Ron and Azu. Come on, can we just give it up for them? <laughs> Pastor Chris and Wendy and McKinney. And uh, as Pastor said, I, I, uh, my name is Steve Robinson, and we've had the distinct privilege, my wife Jennifer and I, of being friends with Pastor uh, Jeff Little and Brandy uh, the last 22 years. As a matter of fact, we met them uh, in the back of a van on the, co- on the way to a conference. And I think, we, I think you and Jennifer, we had babies, y'all, you know, the babies, and we were so excited and we're so grateful. I just want to say this. I am so proud and so honored uh, to be a part of uh, just whatever small part I get to play. Matter of fact, yesterday, um, there were, we had a board meeting and some great uh, men in the church on the board. And we were, we were so, uh, I, I was blown away. Guys, you need to hear this. I need everybody to hear what I'm about to say. What's happening at Milestone Church is a miracle. I, I know it's hard for you to, you, you sometimes need somebody on the outside to come in and tell you that. And, and it's kind of like, you know, maybe when you've, you, on a diet plan, you've lost weight, you don't see it, but somebody else goes, man, you've lost weight. Well, let me just tell you, everybody, okay, God is doing amazing things. I was so blown away. Let me give you an example. The average church in America post-pandemic is 50% attendance with the pre-pandemic. You guys are at 101%. Can we give Jesus a hand clap for that? Hey, look. Now, remember, I'm part of you guys, so I got to rejoice. One minute, I'm like, yeah. And then the next minute, I compared it with our church. I'm like, what's up with us? We're like at 70, you know. So, man, I am just so, I'm just so proud of you guys. And uh, of course, I want to say as well, the team here is so amazing. And, and uh, Pastor Jeff Peltier and Ginger, uh, my Louisiana friends, last night we got to watch the LSU game. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers, right here. We, we, uh, we uh, it was sad. Let, can we just go into a time of sackcloth and ashes and mourning right now? No idea what's going to happen there, but um, it's good to be with family. How many of y'all excited to be in church? Come on. Y'all excited? Awesome. So I want to talk to you guys today about the times in which we live and how you and I can live strong and confident, peaceful, and rested regardless of the circumstances around us. I want to talk to you, and the message is entitled, These Crazy Times. One of the things I've walked with Jesus the last 33 years, one of the things I've learned about walking with Jesus and I've not always done it well, but I'm learning, I'm getting better. I tell our churches all the time, I'm not where I, listen, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. By the way, that's called Christian growth. That's called growing in Christ. And one of the things I've learned as I've walked with Jesus the last 30 years is that you can have crazy on the outside without allowing crazy to get on the inside. That, that you and I, listen, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We have a different value system, and we can live in peace when the culture around us is going crazy. That we can walk in the power of the Spirit, the overcoming life that Jesus Christ died on the cross to give us. In this message, I, I know that so many people are feeling tired and exhausted. This last 18 months, uh, I'm 52 years old, and and uh, it's in, in my lifetime, it's the craziest it's ever been, externally speaking, the last 18 months. There is division everywhere, strife everywhere, even in people's homes. 
making decisions, high stakes, big top shelf stuff. You know what I'm talking about. What do we do? And I'm not sure about this. And so there's tension. There's, there's a lack of unity. There's division all over the place. And as a follower of Christ, how do we live in peace, rest, and confidence in a crazy world? Can we? Is it possible? Well, yes, it is. The, re- the reality is, is that there's a lot of discouragement going on. I want to talk to you today about how you can live, watch this, how you can live in peace and confidence. Uh, the reality is, by the way, try to get an appointment today with a counselor. It's almost impossible. Literally, they're booked up. Why? Because the mental, the emotional turmoil the last 18 months with COVID, because of all the stuff, it is literally, it's, it's, it's impacted people's mental health and emotional health like never before. Stress, all-time high. Pastor Steve, is it possible? Is it possible to live a stress-free life? No, it's not. It's possible to live a less stressed life. Uh, By the way, if any pastor tells you, you can live stress-free, no, that's called heaven. (laughs) Y'all realize that, right? Well, I'm a mature Christian. There's no such thing. There's a maturing Christian. You're not a mature Christian. You're a maturing Christian. The only mature Christian is the person that's dead and is in the presence of God. You're in a process of growing. You've actually, you're all in a crock pot on low. Can I have a good witness in God's house? <laughs> Come on, 1970s. You know what I'm talking about, crock pot generation. But, but we can overcome. We can live in peace. We don't have to live stressed out, burned out, broken down. Matter of fact, I can tell you something funny. Last summer, I was doing a series actually on stress. Brandy, this is funny. I, and, and we moved into a new home, and we, were, we lived in the country, kind of moved in. We moved around. Our kids graduated from high school our three older ones. So we wanted to move back closer to the church and we did that. And so this was, uh, two, so it was 15 months ago. And so I thought, man, I'm doing this series on stress. I, I don't, I don't need anything to bother me. I don't need anybody to, you know, so, so I said, I'm not going to do this in my, I got a little study in my office, but in our garage, we built out over our garage. It's just a little, kind of like a little, just a 300 square foot room. And I kind of got some books and stuff in there. I had my Bible I had just, listen, I'm old school. I had my yellow pads. I've got a computer. Don't use it much, but I've got everything. I've got all my Bible. I'm like, I'm going to get this five-part series on stress, how to reduce stress, how to, and may God be my witness. I heard a truck pull up my, and I I was like, what what, what is a truck in my driveway? And And then I heard some stuff and some guys getting out, and I looked out, and I went, oh my gosh. I forgot this was the day they were actually jackhammering my backyard doing an outdoor thing. Now, listen, unless you think that's funny, that's how a lot of people are. They've got these dreams. They've got these hopes. They've got these visions. But somebody's jackhammering something right behind them. It's kind of how it's felt the last 18 months. I'm going to give you a definition, by the way, of stress. Here it is. You guys ready? A definition of Stress. Stress is the pressures of life, how one perceives, how one believes, reacts, and copes with these pressures. Now, now let me qualify. I'm not talking about the healthy level of stress that we need in our life. Those of you that work out, you go to a gym, you you put weights on a bar, there's a certain level of pressure that's necessary. And you know how it works in biology. There's little micro tears. There's actually a little tearing down in order to build up. A normal, healthy level of stress is good, it's healthy and appropriate. It causes you to grow. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about that acute chronic stress that penetrates 
from your mind to the core of your soul, and it affects how you feel. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, the stress that if we don't, listen, if we don't learn how to navigate life and reduce stress, I'm talking about the stress that causes us to adapt and to adopt behaviors to medicate our pain. You know where a lot of addictions come from? Where they come from a lot of times is we're trying to medicate pain. So we have an addictive moment where we have an address of a, a, a rush of adrenaline. And we feel what? We temporarily, it's almost like we're lifted out of this state of how horrible life is to just a momentary sense of, at least I don't have to think about it. So it's whether, whether it's an addiction, whether it's substance abuse, a sexual addiction, whatever it is. The reality is, is that you and I have been impacted by stress. How, how do we navigate that? Pastor Steve, how do we navigate this thing. I can't escape the world. I don't want to capitulate to culture. I'm not trying to escape. How do I, quote, be in the world but not of it? In other words, the Bible says the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. How do I not become the casualty of the culture? What causes stress? There's lots of things. Long-term workloads, unprescribed, un, listen, an inability to understand expectations. Often it works like, man, the, the, the bullseye keeps moving. Death of a loved one, divorce, taking care of an aged parent, sometimes moving into a house, having a baby, all these different things. Matter, you put two or three or four of those together, it's like, whoa, there's a lot. And it begins to impact how you feel. What you think, what you feel, impacts every area of your life. There is no one designed by God that was ever designed to have the weight of the world on their shoulders. No one. I just want to help. Listen, it, I, I hope this message gives you permission to take off the Superman or Superwoman cape. Matter of fact, there's only one person. Now, let me qualify. There is one person. There's one person that was designed and their function was to have the weight of the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, he is Jesus, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. There was no one in the Bible that carried as much stress as him. And by the way, let me teach you a big theological term. You guys ready for this? Here it is. It's called the hypostatic union. We believe theologically that Jesus Christ was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. It wasn't like 50-50, put it together, it makes 100. No, 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 no. <clears throat> he was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. And in his humanity, he grappled with the reality of the tension, watch this, of being with brothers and sisters. Did you know Jesus had brothers and sisters? <clears throat> he, he had family members. He had interpersonal relationship things he walked through with the team. Listen, he had co-workers. <laughs> Are you with me? Not everybody was excited about him. He had the Jewish people that persecuted him and they weren't thrilled about his calling. And they had Romans that were around. Remember, Israel under Roman occupation. He had people outside, people inside the home, people on his team. He had demands, challenges, obligations, and expectations. And yet, he navigated life in his humanity. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you guys five things from the life of Jesus 
How did Jesus manage stress? I'm not sure if you have a pen or if you guys are writing this down. I know online, I think you can download the notes. I'm gonna give you five ways because here's what I'm convinced. Here's what I'm convinced. As followers of Jesus, we've gotta live a different way. It's not to suggest that we, quote, leave the world, but we've got to, listen, not burn out, brown out, fry out. We, we, we've got to learn how to, yes, be honest with the grappling realities of all of our things around us. Hey, things are maybe not working out, but we've got to live in peace and confidence. We've got to not live stressed out like the whole world, even though the culture is. How do we do it? Number one, from the life of Jesus, you may want to write this down. Number one is what I call the principle of identification. The principle of identification. Five secrets of stress management. The principle, number one, of identification. Jesus knew who he was and who he was trying to please. If you don't know who you are, and if you don't know whose you are, you end up trying to please everybody else. The reality is, is, the expectations that were on Jesus, think about it. All of these expectations, family expectations, work expectations, cultural expectations. And yet, he understood. He understood that culture will always try to put you into their mold. Friends, co-workers, sometimes with very good motivations. By the way, everybody has an idea of what your life should look like. Is that okay for me to say that? Everybody does. Sometimes well-meaning people. And the reality is when we don't know who we are, when we don't know whose we are, when we're living for all the opinions of everybody else, you talk about stress, anxiety, worry. You're talking about stress overload. Matter of fact, Jesus lived by what I call the principle of identification. His identity was secure. Matter of fact, if you look in the Gospels, 18 times you talk about the I am statement. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the resurrection of the life. I am the good shepherd. Why is that? Why is that? that was, that's about identity. He knew who he was and he knew whose he was. Question, do you know who you are? When you get born again, you go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. You become a child of the living God. You now belong to someone else. You no longer belong to yourself. You belong to God. Wow. Who you are and whose you are. And because of that, because of that, it produces in your life something that's so powerful. The power, listen, of a strong identity. It's interesting when you think of Jesus. Jesus lived his life with an intentionality because he lived out of his identity. John chapter five, verse 30, listen to what he said. Listen to the words of Jesus. Remember, in his humanity, he says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus lived ultimately for the audience of one. You know, my, my sons who played sports and um, so where I was at all the games and coached some of the things and, and my, my, my younger son told me one time, he says, dad, it doesn't matter who is in the crowd. 
doesn't matter how many people are in the stands and how, how many people, but there's something about your voice. There's something about your voice that, that just penetrates. It penetrates through all of the, it breaks through all the other voices. And I could be on the field playing, but I recognize your voice, dad. And at the end of the day, I know that you're watching. Question, does God's voice break through every other voice in your life? You ever heard a preacher? You ever heard preachers say this? You should never worry about what other people think about you. I do. I'm concerned about what other people, but I'm less concerned about what they think versus what God thinks. Hogwash. Of course, we should worry. We should concern ourselves. Let me say it that way. What other? I, I, I care what you think about me. I care what my wife thinks about. Me. I care what my kids. Think. I care what Brandy and Pastor Joe. I care what they think about. Me. But I care less than what God thinks about me. Do, do you see that? In other words, the reason why people are compromising their values and their convictions, it's when you care more about what people think about you than what God thinks about you. We care what people think, but we ultimately care what God thinks. Yeah. Question, what audience are you living for? Could it be the stress in your life is that you're trying to please everyone this way? You guys know how it works, right? Just when you get group A happy with you, guess who is not happy with you? Group B, yeah. The fact is, is that all of us, we grapple with this. We struggle with this. The desire to want to please people. We become approval addicts. We overcommit ourselves. You want to talk about stress? We overcommit when we knew we shouldn't have done that, but yet we do it because we don't want people to be unhappy. I'm not advocating a lack of social skills. I'm not advocating a lack of diplomacy. What I am advocating is the intentionality of our lives is first to live for God. What do you want? God, what do you say about my life? God, what is your plan, your purpose, your design for my life? I, I watched a great interview recently, uh, Coach Bobby Bowden. I love coaches. I, I love sports, grew up playing sports. And, and some of you, I'm sure, have heard of Coach Bobby Bowden. He died, matter of fact, last year. And he was the head football coach for Florida State. He's an amazing coach, great Christian man. Matter of fact, last 10 years of his life, he died at 90, right about 90. Last 10 years of his life, he was really a Baptist pastor. He was pre, uh, like an evangelist. He'd go preach, share his testimony, people could save. It was amazing. And I saw him on the 700 Club, and this guy asked me, he says, he says Coach, by the way, the number one winningest, the, the most wins of bowl games and just wins in college Division I history in football. And here's what he said. He says, Coach, how did you do it year after year after year after year? And he goes, it's very simple. I put God above everything else. I put God above football. I put God above my family. I put God above my job. In other words, here's what he said. Watch this. He says, I care more about what God thinks. And then he preaches. He goes, have you ever heard that verse in the Bible in Matthew 6, 33? Seek ye what? Everybody say it. First, the kingdom of God. I don't seek God second, third, or fourth. I put him first. I care what he says. And it'll keep you a college coach and more a long time. Question, everybody look right here, lean in. Here it is. Does God's voice, the loudest voice in your head? Yeah. If you wanna reduce your stress, number one, the principle of identification, who you are and who's your, number two. The second thing that I see here is the principle of concentration, concentration. Jesus knew what mattered most and he understood his calling and his assignment. He, he didn't wake up confused every day. No, he didn't. Jesus, his, he understood the power of living a life on purpose for a purpose. 
with great concentration. I want you to think about the sun just for a moment. The sun, it's amazing, right? This huge thing, this huge, powerful thing. Watch this. The sun with its light, if it came on your front yard, it can, it can, it can do nice things, but it won't burn up your yard. But all of a sudden, if you put a little magnifying glass, watch this, and you focus the sun, and you focus that, now all of a sudden, you can take a dry leaf, and you can set the leaf on fire, and you can light up, and your, your whole yard can catch up. Why is that? Because of the focus nature. In other words, I wonder if the stress in our life is often attached to us living a distracted life. In other words, I wonder if we are creating additional adrenaline drips because of the, what I would call the marginalized living. We make decisions that maybe, maybe they weren't the wisest decision. The reality is Jesus understood his why. He woke up every morning. He understood his purpose. He understood his calling. He lived an intentional life. Question, do you know your why? I'm asking you that. I'm asking everybody that's listening to me at every campus online, do you know your why? What, what gets you up in the morning? What causes your heart to be? Do you know why God has placed you on the earth in the generation he placed you? Do you know your why? Here's what I found. Most people that live stressed out, it's because they're preoccupied with the what's of their life. What do I have to do? What? In other words, they're, they're, they're locked into the tactical dimensions and they have forgot the bigger picture. The reason why we live stressed is because we're, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. I got, no, no, no. What gives you energy is not living out of your what. It's living out of your why. And your why is your assignment, your calling, and the purpose of which God has placed you on the earth. Why has God placed you here? I'm asking you that. Why has God placed you there? The gap between the what and the why, that's called tension. What gives you energy is you wake up, I know why God has placed me on the earth. And you then prioritize according to your calling and the assignment that God has given you. Jesus knew his why. He understood what this thing was about. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, as the time drew near for his return to heaven, he moved steadfastly onward towards Jerusalem with an iron will. What's the point? He knew why he was placed on the earth at that time in that generation. He knew the Father's plan. He knew it. And he moved steadfastly. He set his face, some translation, he set his face of flint towards Jerusalem. Wow. Jerusalem was where the cross was. He knew the cross was his purpose. He came for this purpose, the Son of Man has come, to give his life a ransom for many. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, someone may say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is helpful. Is everything you're doing, let me ask you a question. It may not be sinful, but is it helpful? I think we categorize things in our lives as good and evil, bad and good. Some things are just, they're not sinful, they're just not helpful. Question, do you really need to consume that much news in your life? I'm, I'm asking you. Do you really need to have that conversation at work? How did that make you feel internally? Did it release an adrenaline surge in your body that kind of got toxic in your system? Instead of living out of serotonin, are you now living out of adrenaline because you're in a fight or flight mechanism because of all the impending doom that's about to hit your life based upon what somebody that just doesn't know God told you on the news? I'm asking you that. Or, or, or are we giving ourselves to what I would call tangential 
conversations. They're on the tangent. They're on the periphery. Are they really necessary? They're not necessarily sinful. They're not necessarily evil, but are they helpful? I'm asking that question. I'm wondering if we're living stressed out because we're giving ourselves the things that God never told us to get into. I am so grateful. I am so grateful. One of the things I love so much and respect so much about Pastor Jeff Little and this church, and I was just in awe yesterday sitting in y'all's board. I was just in awe. It's, it's, and, I, and I see God's blessing. It's because Pastor Jeff, I've known him 22 years. He's always made the main thing the main thing. He preaches Christ and him crucified. And it's always about winning souls and making disciples. And I'm so grateful. He made a decision a long time. We're not going to get we're not gonna get into the, all these goofy conversations. No, no. We're going to keep it back on Christ and him crucified, winning souls and making disciples. How many are grateful that Milestone and Pastor Jeff know what the true north is called the Great Commission. Are y'all grateful for that? And I say this respectfully in churches today. Sometimes like, why are they, what, what does that, what does that have to do with Christ and him crucified? Is that, is that an eternal issue of heaven and hell getting someone from the kingdom of darkness to light? Question on a personal level, is everything that you're doing helpful? Is the conversation you're having helpful? Jesus understood the principle, watch this, of identification. He knew who he was, and he knew whose he was. Number two, he understood the power of concentration. Live out of your why. I had a conversation with God a couple weeks ago. He Pastor, I'm so stressed out. Why? He goes, I got all these things. I got, I got, I got this, and what am I going to do here? What am I? I said, time out, time out. Could it, be, could it be that part of the problem is you've lost your why? What do you mean? Why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? What is my calling and assignment? I want to say this again. Moms, listen to me. Dads, listen to me. Uh, everybody, listen to me. If you're stressed out, could it be you're living in the tactical dimensions of the what and you forgot your why? It helps you prioritize. Live up here. Come up higher. Let me give you number three. The principle of meditation. Jesus listened to God, the Father. The third principle I want to talk about is this principle of meditation. To reduce our stress, we need to learn to be still before God, and we need to fight for what I call our time with God. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. News about Jesus spread even more. Many people came to him to be healed. But Jesus often, everyone say often. In other words, this was, listen, this was not a casual every now and then happenstance. This was an intentional part of his life. This was a rhythmic aspect to his schedule. He often slipped away to be alone so he could pray. Question, who's he talking to? Who is Jesus talking to? I'm talking to y'all. Talking to God the Father. This lady came up to me and goes, Pastor, were you talking to me today at church? I said, I surely wasn't talking to a lady down the street at First Baptist. Who else would I be talking? Of course I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you guys. Who, who was he talking to? God who? The Father. Can I tell you something? If Jesus Christ, who had, new, who had no sin in his life, if he made it a point to check in with headquarters before he tackled the day, how much more should we? How much more should we? 
many times that we get out on the field? Can you imagine that? Listen, I, I was watching, matter of fact, I was watching LSU last night and I was thinking some of those plays. I'm like, they probably did not talk to their coach. They probably forgot their playbook. How many times we get out on the field, we're making all these dumb decisions. It's because we've not talked to the coach. We don't know what the playbook is. We're out there just kind of doing whatever we want. By the way, that's culture right now. Every man doing what's right in his own eyes. We don't have to live that way. We can live according to the playbook of heaven. We, we, can, we can hear from headquarters. We can, we can position our soul before God each day. By the way, even psychologists that may or may not even be Christians will tell you that you can enter into a, what's called a, 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 a psychological decompression chamber where you de-adrenalize, your soul is rested, your serotonin fills your brain, you feel good about life just by being still. How much more when God is there with you? You talk to God. In the morning, God, I'm getting, you're journaling, you're writing, you're reading five, 10 minutes. You're talking to God, you're talking to God. That's what I love about Pastor Jeff, beginning of the year, you guys start to read the Bible through a year and I know what happens. Remember, I've been in this a little while. January 1st, Genesis chapter one, two and three. Yeah. <laughs> Texting your friends, I did it, baby. <laughs> yeah, we're kicking the devils behind this year. Day two, Genesis four, five, and six. <laughs> I'll be ready next week for that national championship game on January 8th. Yeah. Are you doing this? Watch, watch this. The problem is you get to June. Genesis chapter 10. Y'all with me? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like January this year, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. You already know who just started working out because they have all the new gear on in the gym. It's like, bro, this ain't lasting. Uh-uh, this ain't lasting. Y'all with me? Fight for that time with God. I had a guy tell me one time, he was pastor, I feel like you kind of push the early morning thing with God. I'm a nighttime guy. That's cool. It's fine, of course. Talk to God, you should talk to God all the time. And I said, you know, of course, I was a little probably immature and sarcastic. And I said, if you want to get beat up by the devil all day long and finally talk to God at nighttime, that's your choice. <laughs> I know I shouldn't have done that. That was a wrong. I'm sorry. Brandy, I apologize. <laughs> They're way holier than I am. I'm telling you. I, here's my point. I'm not good enough to pull off life in my own strength. I need to hear from heaven. I need to hear from headquarters. Number one, principle of identification he knew who he was. When you know who you are and you're ultimately trying to please God before anybody else, it allows you to reduce stress. You have the ability to say no and yes to what God wants you to say no and yes to. Number two, it's the principle of concentration. What is your why? I'm trying to bring you up. I'm trying to bring you up higher. Get out of the tactical. It's important to go there, but it's not the most important. Remember your purpose. Why is your, what's your why? Why are you here? Why are you on this planet? Number three, principle of meditation. We're checking in with headquarters. What are we doing? We're reducing stress. We're not eliminating stress. That's called heaven. We're reducing stress. God is speaking to us. We're uncovering the voice of God off the every page of the book. Number three, almost finished. Y'all learn anything today? Three people. I'm excited. I feel good. <laughs> I feel the love. All right. Let me give you point four. Here we go. Number four, collaboration. We're talking about how to reduce stress, not eliminate, but reduce stress. Jesus did life with a small group. 
Did you know that Jesus actually had a small group? He actually had one. And uh, I think there's such an important thing here because do you guys know when you need people? Listen to this. All the campuses. You know when you need people? Let me tell you when you need them. When you need them. And let me tell you the time. And by the way, I, I'm an, unfortunately, I'm an expert on hurricanes. Okay. I stayed for Hurricane Ida and, um, and my, my wife and daughter went up and then I stayed. And, and, and it's interesting. When the hurricane was about Hurricane, when it was hurricane shirt, about 70, I saw a guy, he's trying to put up his shutters. Can I tell you something? You don't put up hurricane shutters when you're in the hurricane. That is injurious to your body. You got a hammer going on. You kill your kid next to you. Are y'all with me? You don't wait till you go through a storm and a crisis to build intentional relationships with other members and brothers and sisters of the body of Christ. But let me tell you, when you need people, it's when you need them. Jesus had a small group. You guys remember when he was going to the point of the greatest, listen, the greatest moment in his life was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says that he literally knelt down. He was, he was sweating drops of blood. That's the humanity of Jesus. And he gets up, guarding against somebody, he goes over and he brought his three friends. He brought his small group. You know what they were doing? They're sleeping. Guys, could you not, that's where, could you not tarry with me one hour? But here's my point. Why did Jesus have to bring those three guys? Why? They were standing with him. Can I tell you something? Let me, let me tell you one of the fallouts, and I'll say this respectfully, one of the biggest fallouts of COVID is it's kind of disintegrated and disconnected people. We need people like never before. You need the, and I understand health concerns, and I understand that's right and appropriate decisions, and all, but I'm gonna tell you something. You need to fight for connection. And those that are online, get on a Zoom group. In other words, you gotta be, in other words, you and I need one another. We need the body of Christ. Do we, come on, how many of y'all would say we need one another? We need the encouragement for one another. Man, we need one another. Let me tell you something. I've been to Africa multiple times. Let me tell you the animals that get picked off, the lone ones that get disconnected from the herd. Let me tell you what happens to Christians. They say, I had a guy tell me one time, I didn't see him. He was in church and he was gone. And I said, man, where you been? I didn't see you. He goes, well, you know, Steve, I just decided just, I, all I need is God. I said, well, then you're more spiritual than Jesus. Because he had like a group. Christian people that separate themselves from the body of Christ, you know what they become? Freakazoids. <laughs> they, they become weird. I become weird. I'm not as weird as you, but we all can become weird. You want to know why? It's outside of God's design. Everybody say, come on, look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Come on, I need you. I need. Look at your second choice and say, come on, I need you too. Second choice, second choice, second choice. All right, let me give you the final thing, and we'll close. The final thing is, watch this, recreation. I want to qualify a couple things there to recreate. Watch this. Re-creation. Jesus took time to recharge, to renew, to refill. We don't think about that, but he did. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. I'm talking about reducing stress. Reduce, please don't miss this last point. 
We can't eliminate number one. Principle of identification, number two. Principle of concentration, number three. Principle of meditation, number four. Principle of collaboration. Number five, principle of re-creation. Mark chapter six, verse 31. Watch this. Crowds of people were coming and going so that Jesus and his followers did not even have time to eat. <clears throat> and he said to them, come away by yourselves and we will go to a lonely place to get some rest. This morning I did something I have not done in a long time. When I was reading the Bible, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go back and look at the Ten Commandments. I'm going to try to memorize. I have not memorized the whole Bible. Parts of it. Let's like you guys. Scripture here, scripture there. And I said, I'm going to really try to get it down. Watch this. Ten Commandments. Commandment number one. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Commandment number two. You should not make any idols, graven images. Watch this. It's vertical. Commandment number three, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Commandment number four, honor the what? Say it the, say it out loud, say it the. Number five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Now we get into the vertical stuff. Don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't do this, don't, 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 don't murder. I'm wondering if we, we're lacking strength to interpersonally honor and serve one another, it's because we've missed a critical moment right here. I'm, one, I'm just wondering. I posit that and lay that at your feet. I'm wondering. How many of you guys remember, now I'm gonna date myself, how many of you guys remember when things were closed on Sunday? Would you raise your hand? You guys remember that? Okay, you remember that? It's like, man, what, what do we do? I guess just talk. <laughs> Let's go to church. Man, we, we, we really think that we've gotten smarter in God. I understand culture. I understand work, job, mobility, society. I understand. All. There's a lot of discussion about Bible. Is the Sabbath a Sunday? Is another day? Here's what I'm saying. You and I need at least one day a week, at least one, where we're honoring God with our family and we're being renewed in our soul and our body. There's something about that to de-adrenalize and come down and allow the spirit, of, there's something precious, there's something powerful. There's so, Jesus took time often with his disciples. That's not a vacation. It's not a vacation. It's a Sabbath. Yeah. Number one, pastor, how do I reduce stress? Number one, look right here, 30 seconds. Number one, the principle of identification. Question, is God's voice louder than anybody else's voice in your crowd? Number two, the principle of concentration. Do you know your why? Are you locked into so much the tactical dimensions of the what? that you've lost. This is where energy, this is where life comes from, the why, your purpose. This helps you to prioritize all the tactical dimensions. Number three, principle of meditation. We got to check in every day, every day. It reduces stress. It increases the presence of God in your life. Number four, collaboration. We need one another. Say, I need one another. 
I need, we need, I, we need, we, we've got to have one another. And number four, the principle of, to recreate. I think it's the principle of honoring the Sabbath. I want to just say this last thing. I'm so proud of you guys. Brandy, Jennifer, and I'm so proud of you and Jeff. We're so honored to be your friends, to be a sister and a brother. God's hand is upon this church, and you guys are in a good place. How many of y'all grateful for that? Come on, y'all grateful for that? Love you guys. Thank you so much.